the Tsunami Bots, opening up episode 211 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Murder Robots on Holiday. It's from their EP Rise of the Robots. You can find them at TsunamiBots.com, or you can just follow the link in the show notes for this episode of this podcast, devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. Welcome to the show. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I'm happy to have you here. I'm excited because I've been sitting on this recording for a little while, recorded it before I got sick not too long ago, and Mitch Gonzalez has been incredibly patient, waiting for this to come out. Mitch Gonzalez is back on Monster Kid Radio, and we're going to talk about his work in the recent film from Christopher R. Mim, Danny Johnson Saves the World. We're going to talk a little bit about robots in general, robots in monster movies, classic monster movies, classic robots design. We're going to talk about Mitch's work in this episode, and then here in a couple of days, he's going to sit down with me, and we're going to talk about our personal favorite top three classic robots from classic monster movies. That's going to be a lot of fun, but first we're going to talk about Danny Johnson Saves the World and a few other things here and there. And after that, I'm going to announce the next Monster Kid Radio Crash. So if you're in the Portland, Oregon area, you'll want to pay attention to that. But that'll be after our conversation with Mitch, which happens right after this. With the swiftness of a deadly cosmic ray, the Earth is invaded by indestructible moon monsters. Their ghastly mission, death for all humans. What astounding technical developments are being made to protect mankind? Robot Monster brings you an actual preview of the devastating forces of our future. Unsuspected revelations of incredible horrors that will terrify you with their brutal reality. There is no escape from me. Fool humans, there is no escape. This is Ruby. And I'm Hater. And we host the Mimiverse Bonfire Podcast. A podcast based on Christopher R. Mim, a Minnesota filmmaker who's got eight films under his belt, soon to be nine. And they're all 1950s-style black and white movies. The podcast revolves around actors, the making of the films, and various other little fun bits. And technicians. (laughs) You can find us at SaintEuphoria.com. Or like us on Facebook. That would be the Mimiverse Bonfire Podcast. Hope you tune in. Suddenly, a man dies at the controls of a train. Suddenly, a car swerves to destruction. Suddenly, a plane dives to death. The Earth dies screaming. Suddenly, death descends on the four corners of the earth, and only a handful of human beings survive to live in fear, powerless to combat an unknown terror. Turn it off. 
Who are you? That away, I'm not the enemy. I don't know who the enemy is. Earth dies screaming, and the robots take over. Starring Willard Parker, Virginia Field, Dennis Price, You said that she was dead. She was. She was alive enough tonight, except her eyes. Well, what was the matter with them? She hasn't got any eyes. Here is paralyzing suspense as the Earth dies screaming. Electrifying terror as the Earth dies screaming. Jeff! Peggy! Peggy! The robots! What? Peggy! Just three years ago, the Joy Cinema and Pub in Tigard, Oregon, stood on the brink of closing down for good. With 35mm film going away, the only option for survival was to make the expensive conversion to digital projection. Now, while many theater owners saw only the expense, the team at the Joy saw the possibilities. They saw that the Joy needed passion and personality, and they believed that couples and families should be able to see a movie without spending a fortune. Today... The Joy is a viable business once again and a vital part of life in the Tigard and podcasting community. But now, with a significant increase in rent looming, the team at The Joy is turning to the community to help pay off digital projection and opening costs once and for all. We all know that asking for contributions isn't easy. The Joy's owners have been paying down these costs since opening, but becoming debt-free is the one way The Joy is sure to stay in business for years to come. With this campaign and with your help, the Joy Cinema hopes to raise $50,000. The Joy Cinema and Pub in Tigard, Oregon is important to me, Derek M. Cook, because the man who runs the show there, Jeff Punk Rock Martin, loves the kinds of movies that I love, so much so that he's always bringing in classic and sometimes not so classic monster movies. Of all the theaters that I've gone to for a Monster Kid Radio crash, the Joy Cinema is the one that we've gone to the most. Jeff has asked me to introduce several films there in the past. Every time I go, even if I'm not getting up on stage and talking about the movie that we're about to watch, I always have a really good time. And I'm not just talking about watching the movie. I'm talking about the entire movie-going experience up to and including chatting with Jeff before the film or maybe even sneaking out to refill at the concession stand and talking to him a little bit more about whatever movie we're watching, whatever monster movie posters he has on the wall, whatever. Jeff's a good guy. The Joy Cinema is a great theater, and I want to see it succeed. The Indiegogo campaign ends next month. There are several amazing rewards available for contributing to the Indiegogo campaign, starting with a heartfelt thanks and ending with what they're calling the lifer a lifetime pass for free admission. Now, I know that people who listen to this podcast aren't necessarily in the Tigard, Oregon area. So you might be asking yourself, what's in it for you? Well, one, you get to help an amazing local business keep running and fighting the good fight and showing monster movies on a regular basis. And depending on what podcast you're listening to right now, 
1951 Down Place is the Hammer Films podcast I co-produce with Casey Criswell and Scott Morris. The Joy Cinemas have shown some Hammer films during their Weird Wednesday series. If you're listening to this on the Mimiverse Monthly, well, the Joy Cinema has screened The Giant Spider. In fact, The Giant Spider had its Pacific Northwest premiere at The Joy, and I'm talking with Jeff about bringing in some other Christopher R. Mim movies in the future. The bottom line is this. The Joy Cinema, they're one of the good guys. They could use our help. You can learn about them at their website at thejoycinema.com or go to indiegogo.com and just do a search for Joy Cinema. Hello, this is writer-director Christopher R. Mim, the master of the Mimiverse. You're listening to Monster Kid Radio with Derek M. Cook, the greatest person I've ever met, sure. <laughs> I'd like to welcome back to the show a monster kid, a monster maker, a monster Mitch. Mitch Gonzalez, welcome back to Monster Kid Radio. Hey, thank you, Derek. It's good to be here. It's been a little while. How have you been? I've been doing well. I've been very busy, but that's what it's always about, just keeping busy. There you go. You're keeping busy working on movie stuff, I hope? Some art, some sculpture or something? It's a little bit of everything. Good. Yeah, we just finished up the new MIM movie, Denny Johnson Saves the World. Uh, so that's in the in the can and done. Uh, nothing new yet coming up. We're still kind of formulating that. So there, there is something maybe down the line. Oh, oh, definitely. When uh, Chris and I get together, we're always bouncing ideas off each other. We've got lists of stuff to do, and it's just getting time to do it. <laughs> that is so encouraging because I know lately he's been like, well, maybe I need to take a break. And while he definitely deserves it, I'm always eager to hear more from the Mimiverse, So Right, right. Well, He's taking a break in, in as much as that maybe a movie is not going to be produced this year. I, I don't know yet. We're, he's still talking about that. But I know he's putting a lot of effort into uh, getting the musical version of the um, monster from Phantom Lake the, off the ground. So he's been working on that. Oh, so that's we'll right. That yeah, they've out. talked about that over on the Bonfire podcast quite a bit. That's still, as far as you know, a go? It still is a go. I know they're working hard on it. There's a... Uh, a musician um, uh, working on the music, getting all that put together, and I think Chris just needs to write the script out uh, to uh, adapt it for the you know, musical format. Wow! Now, are you going to be involved in that project at all? I, I don't know. Mostly right now, it, it'll be you know it'll be done as a live play, a live musical. Maybe I'll get a chance to do a, a new version of the, the Monster Family costume. I, I don't know. We'll see how that pans out. That's what I was wondering about because you hadn't been involved with the Mimiverse at that point. I was Correct. wondering if you'd have an opportunity to revisit some of the older. Mimiverse designs and put the little Mitch spin on it. It would be fun. I, I, we've yeah. talked about it a little bit. I mentioned I'd be up for it if he if he so chooses. So we'll see how that how that goes. So everybody, email Chris and tell him <laughs> that you want Mitch. <laughs> uh, it'd be an honor to do that. It'd be it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> From outer space, they came with a dastardly plan to steal the minds of the youth. Only one person stands in their way. In Johnson saves the world. See our hero battle strange invaders in their rampaging metal monstrosity. See prehistoric creatures come to life on the silver screen. See bizarre, terrifying monsters and experience more excitement than any human being can handle. i 
Danny Johnson Saves the World is the latest Mimiverse project, the latest movie to come out, feature length. You want to tell us a little bit about what you contributed to the film? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the new movie, Chris needed a robot. And uh, I'd always wanted to build a robot. And, you know, usually uh, my background's latex and clay and that sort of thing. So it, it was a challenge to do a robot. And I always, you know, like I said, wanted to do one. So uh, when the opportunity arose, I jumped at it. What you see there is is, is my uh, my feeble attempt, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a workshop set up per se for for doing any, any hard fabrication, so I had to kind of wing it. So I borrowed some tools from some friends, and um, ended up uh, you know buying a lot of found objects, you know, garbage can, a potter's plant, whatever I can get my hands on, and um, just put it all together and came up with that robot. I want to go back to something you just said a second ago because I think it's awesome that we have people in our life that we can refer to in conversation. It's like, yeah, he needed a robot. Exactly. That's just, you know. <laughs> well, I, you know, neighbors across the street, and, you know, they, they, they'll walk around the house when I have the garage door open working there, and they're, you know, they always end up coming up the driveway. You know, what are you working on? Oh, I'm building a robot. Oh, it's not even Halloween. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So this robot, this is the first one you've done? Correct. Yeah, this wow. is the first one I've ever done. Yeah, I've sketched robots and I enjoy movies with robots, and but I've never built one and uh, this afforded me the opportunity. So it was kind of a nice chance to take a crack at it. Now, I'm sure he's going to be okay with it, but I'm going to ask Chris if we can put a picture of the Hunter robot from Danny Johnson Saves the World on monsterkidradio.net as like the cover art for this episode. But in case people aren't seeing that or for some reason Chris says no, can you describe what the robot looks like? Well, it looks like a garbage can with a potter's plant inverted on top for a head. <laughs> I, I basically went with the, you know, just you know, something like you see from an old cereal or or, or something of the sort. Just found pieces put together, and uh, I think it does the job pretty well. Yeah, you know, we capture that kind of fifties. I don't have a budget type of look, so I think I think it works okay. You mentioned cereal, and I was going to ask you about that because most of Mims, well, all of Mims movies, with the exception of a few things in Danny Johnson, no spoilers feel like a 50s kind of throwback movie, right? I mean, they're designed to feel as if they are from that era. Correct. But the Hunter robot does have a little bit of that serial touch as well. That was intentional? It, it was. Just doing a little bit of uh, design research, you know, I went back and looked at all these robots, and uh, the ones that spoke to me were the, the really clunky, suited ones that, that you can tell there's a man in there, but I just like that aesthetic and that look, and plus – you know, not having the, the ability to, to fabricate too many, uh, do, do too many custom things, it led into the design of what, what I came up with here. I did like that. From the waist down, it feels like something from a Bela Lugosi cereal. <laughs> that was a, a problem we, we had, uh, or I had. I was trying to figure out how to get the legs done, and so I, I did a few different things, and they weren't panning out very well. And again, you know, time being looming over my head quite a bit, we just kind of punted on that. And I, I said, you know, what if we do – you know, the robot monster, get a gorilla bottom, you know, just have hair down there. And I wrote a couple sketches. I wanted to go that way. And he, he kind of liked the idea, but thought, well, people might not know what that is. And what? it's a little too weird maybe for what he wanted to do. So uh, we ended up going with waders, uh, fishing waders. So it had that one-piece rubber look, which I could see if this thing was was a robot that would – you know, go all over the all over the universe, you know, maybe there's times where it has to be in water or something. So it would have the ability to be sealed from the waist down and be able to get in swamps or whatnot. So that was kind of a, a design just choice, I guess. I don't know if I want to live in a world in which people don't know what Robot Monster is. I know. I, what? You know, what? That's, <laughs> that's just so so out there. It's just, it's just I love it. <laughs> but I really did want to do the gorilla at the bottom, but uh, we decided against it. 
So they were waiters. I was going to ask you what that was constructed out of, not to ruin the movie Magic, but it was just basically fishermen waiters. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so yeah, it gives it that one piece rubber look. So it looks it looks like it could be uh, you know the bottom part of a, of a robot that needs to be exposed to the climates. So that's I'm I'm sticking with that. Okay. Okay. No, it looked good. I mean, and that makes sense too in terms of what the robot needed to do or what it could do in different environments. But from the top up, it's the trash can and the potter's plant and bolts here and there, little gadgets. Or is there anything in the design of the robot that sharp-eyed viewers might see as maybe like an homage to anything? Or Well, I, you know, the arms definitely from the uh, Lost in Space robot. I was trying to find corrugated rubber, which uh, had proved to be very hard to locate and very expensive if, if you did. So I ended up going with some drainage tube. But I wanted to have that corrugated arm look. And I, I would have liked to have them be a little bit more rubbery. You know, I had to go with what I had. So they were kind of uh, more rigid than I would have liked. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, robot pinchers. There's a lot of those on uh, different designs. you got to have robot pinchers. You had to have the pinchers. <laughs> As is a tradition with the Mimiverse films. I'm assuming Kaiser played the robot. He did. Uh, yep, definitely. Michael Kaiser. When you put him in one of your suits now, because he's done a couple of them now for you. Yes. Do you give him direction on how to move, or does he just kind of figure it out because he's experienced this kind of thing? I let him kind of figure out how he wants to perform in the suit. I just give him tips on what the suit can do and such that, you know, if you move your arms this way, they might fall off. If you do this, it might (laughs) just, you know, if you keep, if you keep in this going this way, you know, I think you'll be able to to, to work the suit. So I leave the the acting purely to him. (laughs) It's a good thing. You and Michael Kaiser kind of like each other because I can imagine (laughs) the opportunity for torture here. Oh yeah, I, I do. I do that. Hold that over his head quite a bit. But in, in this case, he really enjoyed working in the suit. He said it was one of the better ones, just from the standpoint of not overheating and having some room. So he he enjoyed it. Oh wow! Now, how long have you been making movies for Chris Mim, or making monsters? That is. Yeah, uh, well, making monsters most of my life, but making monsters for uh, Chris Mim probably since two thousand nine is when we first hooked up. Okay. Yeah. When he's talking about doing another project, do you suggest what kind of monster or robot or whatever, and then he works around that, or is it more he comes to the table with, I want to do this this time? Mostly he comes to the table with what he wants to do. He'll have ideas. Uh, sometimes if I do sketches here and there, uh, I'll send him something that might inspire him. But most for the most part, it's uh, he's kind of driving what he wants to do. He'll come up with a movie idea. You know, let's do a haunted house movie. Let's do a you know, movie with a robot in it. And then I kind of he gets me going from a design standpoint, I'll start doing some sketches and just getting some ideas slapped down. Sounds like you two have a pretty good working relationship as well. I would love to be on the set of a Mimiverse film. What's a day on the set like? It's really relaxed. It's a lot of fun. You know, we do work hard sometimes, you know, a lot of times when we film, you know, if there's a movie that we build a set in his basement, you know, we shoot over there after work, we usually meet around six or seven and we'll go up until 10 or you know midnight on a work night. So it has to be fun. It has to be relaxed in order to, to do that. And we all enjoy it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. How was it working with children this time around? Because this is a, a predominantly child cast. Yeah, they were great. In this movie, I only had was on the set one day. This was kind of my vacation movie, I call it. I built the robot, but I intentionally, since he was filming a lot at his house and, and with his kids and everything, I didn't want to interrupt the kids as they were acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to kind of just let them do their thing. And, uh, and so I only was on the set once. It was the outdoor scene when um, the robot's mostly chasing Danny and Evelyn. The day I'd spent with them, the kids did a great job. They were really, uh, really, they knew their lines, took direction well, and they were, they impressed the, the heck out of me. 
I think that's a testament to your design skills and construction skills and fabrication skills. I mean, you said you didn't have a lot of experience with that, but if you could just make the suit and let them have it and not even have to worry about being on set to maybe fix it between shots or whatever, that's amazing. When Chris and I did the fit up with Michael, um, I kind of gave them the update, you know, gave them all the points and what, what I saw is, is uh, weak points and you can do this, maybe don't try that. They just listened and they, they uh, held it up pretty good together, so. I know we had some rivets fall off, so my my goal with the design was to add a lot of rivets. So from time to time, you might see a rivet missing in the shot. But I know Chris tried to glue them on as he could, and and uh, so. Now I think I know what the rivets were made out of because I think somebody was talking about them on Facebook somewhere. What did you make the rivets out of? Google eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go to any hobby shop and and look for the Google eyes, and they got a nice kind of dome quality. So just epoxy them all over the the, the suit. You know, spray paint them, and, and they look like rivets. I, I forget where I found that. There was a some I saw that somewhere online where somebody had done that. And I went, what a great idea! So now I had a chance to to do that. Does that make the suit rattle a little bit? A little bit, I'm sure. Yeah, not too bad. Okay, but it just looks good. I mean, a robot without rivets is you know I, I like rivets. <laughs> well, especially from that era, you know, you've got to have that, right? Exactly. The robot made an appearance at the premiere. I think I saw a picture of you two together, you smiling. I couldn't tell if the robot was smiling or not. How did it go over live with a audience? Went very well. Uh, after we had the premiere, we like we did in the past. We always roll out the the monster for the for the picture opportunities, and uh, we got the robot staged out there. And we we uh, had a line quite a quite quite a long line for for pictures. So oh, it was wow. uh, well received. How'd the premiere go overall? Very well. Pretty close to sold out. It was a very very large audience. Very well received. From what I can say, I, you know, people were laughing uh, at all the right parts. So that to me is a success. I mean, everybody enjoyed it. Uh, and again, we had you know the long line for pictures with the robot. We had a, a good turnout in the lobby with uh, you know kind of meeting and greets. So it was a lot of fun. It's always fun to to do these uh, premieres. So I have to ask, what happens to the monsters after the movie's done after the premiere? I know pieces show up at conventions when Chris doesn't appear in somewhere, but who stores all this stuff? I do. <laughs> well, Chris, <laughs> Chris has a lot of props. I have a lot of a lot of props as well. The monster is now in my garage right now. I'm, I'm wait, I've got to clean my office out a little bit where I, uh, you know, where I sculpt these things, and uh, I've got a bunch of the masks on shelves and everything. So I will be putting this uh, robot. Just it'll be the arms in the upper portion. I'll stick it in a corner somewhere and just have it sitting there for for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> Having all the stuff around, it's just it's a kick. Sure, sure. Uh, it must must have either a lot of room or a very understanding family. Uh, not a lot of room, but a very understanding family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to encroach out into the basement, so uh, I've, I've got my own room down here in the basement to work at. You know, you know, I've got musical equipment and my sculpting stuff and my library, so it's filling up real fast. So it's starting to kind of move out of the out of the room and into the basement. Is there? A, and again, maybe you know, Mims, the person I need to ask about this, but there is there ever an opportunity or a possibility that we're going to see some of these monsters turn back up in another project? There could be a chance. I know we've talked about it. That we've uh, talked about reappropriating uh, various monsters for other projects. My fantasy would be to have a, a full out kind of like uh, Monster Island thing where there's every every one of the monsters shows up in one capacity in the same movie. It'd be kind of fun. That would be amazing. It'd be pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Wow. The, the wheels are now spinning in my head. Just like, wow, that would just be... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think when we're done recording, I might have to go write a little bit of fan fiction from him. You know? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Journey into double terror with the late night double feature. With X, the fiend from beyond space, and the wall people. 
A crew of interstellar explorers must fight an unstoppable alien fiend from beyond space, hell-bent on consuming them all. Will they survive? Can they survive? And on the same program, a man must fight to save his only child from the clutches of strange invaders who use their advanced technologies to steal sleeping children through their bedroom walls. Are your children safe? Two terrors to tear you apart in the late night double feature. I don't think we've spoken uh, since – it's been a while. I mean we had you on the show to talk about a movie, but I don't know if we ever really talked about Late Night Double Feature too much with you. And I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you the alien design from the X, the Fiend from Beyond Space is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I adore that monster. If I could buy a bust of any of your monster creations, that would be the one first at the top of my list. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, that was a fun one. We talked about that design for a while, what we wanted to do. Uh, I think I mentioned originally I wanted to do kind of the, the monster suit from the waist up, kind of like uh, the sun creature, something where you know it's wearing pants, and, and that was kind of the running joke for a while. Was you know we got to have a monster that just wears pants, but again <laughs> time and I didn't get a chance to pull together the the upper part, so we had to wing of that. But the head and hands I sculpted out, and it was loosely uh, inspired by um, the Metaluna mutant from uh, the Silent Earth. I like the the brainy kind of look and the typical fifties kind of brainy monster. So that was my jumping off point, and I just kind of went with that. I can definitely see that influence here, but it's not as much as an homage. More, It's more of a, this is where you could tell some of the influence came from, but it's its own thing. And I mean, I love the design. I love the head. I love the hand. I mean, the whole thing just looks awesome. I mentioned a bust. I'd have an army of action figures of that thing. It really <laughs> is cool. I like that one a lot. So uh, when can I get the action figure, man? Okay. Okay. Uh- <laughs> I, always, uh, I need to find time to sit down, and, and I, I love busts as well, and, and I want to sculpt some. Of the, you know, it's in it's in the brain; it's kind of rattling around in there. But just to sit down and start sculpting some of these as busts, and you know, make them make them available. But I'll, I'll have to I have to make time to get that done, and, and maybe with Chris taking some time off and working on the musical, and I'm not producing anything this summer. Maybe I'll have to do that and, and get some of those done. Well, I'll start writing Chris a little bit too. I know I'm going to have him on the show here soon. We're talking about doing a John Agar show, so I'll All have right. him on and. Uh, I'll write him a little bit about what's coming up next and let, let him tell that story. Uh, as far as what you've got going on, are there any other monsters or anything that you've been wanting to do and just haven't had the opportunity to do it yet? Yeah, I think this kind of goes in with what we're doing. I'm talking about robots. I've always wanted to build a Dalek robot. Oh, wow. <laughs> have, okay. Have in the house, so I'd like to do that. But from from original standpoint, yeah, I've got some ideas. I've got some sketches. This summer I do want to – I'm going to make some a mask or, or some other things that maybe not – will not be used for a MIM movie or not. Just just kind of stuff to get uh, – just to keep the, the juices flowing and, and do something for me. So we'll see how that pans out. A Dalek, huh? Yeah. Oh, nice. I actually found online there's a Dalek uh, Builders um, a website where they have all the plans and you can contact people that have other pieces. And so it's just uh, – it's something that, hey, that would be kind of fun to have in the basement. I mean, and speaking of rivets and everything else, you got all those little – I mean – Those little domes all over the yeah. skirt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, and I'm not even a big Doctor Who fan, but I, I, I know what a Dalek is, and we'll talk about the Daleks here later, I'm sure. But, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's amazing, man. So you're doing the robot construction. You've got any big, any other monstrous stuff in the in the works? Any masks or latex or anything else right now? I mean, you mentioned doing some stuff for yourself. Anything that you can tell the listeners about? No, not yet. I think it's uh, yeah. I've got a lot of sketches, and uh, I've got a, a, a empty bust, and I've got clay, and and I've bought plaster. And I have some latex, so I'm going to do something this summer. But we'll, I'll post pictures when I get something uh, up and going. But uh, it was kind of funny as I have the time frame of the summer to do anything because I can sculpt all winter and everything, but I can't mold anything until, until about now, until you know May, June time frame when the weather gets nice because I can't really go out in my garage and make any molds. It'll be freezing my butt off. <laughs> so well, one drop from the Minnesota weather. Well, and the temperature would affect the latex and all that, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. You can't have latex freeze. And so, yeah, it kind of gives me a little bit of a time frame to hit. So this summer, I'll, I'll definitely make something. I just don't know what yet. Right on, man. That's living the dream right there. I've got the latex. i got the plaster. i got ideas. i got a bust. Yeah, we'll make something. Got all the raw materials. I'm ready to go. I just need to, to pull the trigger. I could sit and chat with Mitch Gonzalez for hours and probably would if we lived anywhere near each other. Neither one of us would get anything done. He wouldn't make his monsters. I wouldn't do my, you know, who am I kidding? I'd help him make his monsters and I'm sure he'd help me do the podcast. So, you know, it's probably a good thing. There's a couple of time zones separating us, but he still manages to make the time to appear on Monster Kid Radio. So thank you, Mitch, for doing that. Everybody needs to go to sainteuphoria.com slash dj.html to check out the latest movie from Christopher R. Mim, Danny Johnson Saves the World. And yeah, go check out the cover art for this episode to check out what the robot looks like. Oh, and Mitch. We haven't had a Monster Kid Radio crash in quite some time, so you know what? It's time to do it, and the Hollywood Theater is making it happen because on June 30th, they are honoring the passing of Christopher Lee with two classic Christopher Lee films, one of them being Horror of Dracula. This is the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula, the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. You must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. I'll help you. I promise. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. The castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenburg. Will you tell me how I get there? You ordered a meal, sir. As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister, and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil. I have never seen this one on the big screen, and I'm assuming because it's the Hollywood, 
It's going to be a 35-millimeter print. I'm stoked for this. It's happening June 30th. Showtime is at 7.30. Now, they're doing a double feature. After Horror of Dracula, they're going to be showing the movie The Wicker Man. Now, I'm not going to be able to stay for The Wicker Man, but Horror of Dracula, I'm going to be there with my recorder. So if you're in the area and you want to see Horror of Dracula with your fellow Monster Kid Radio listeners and your Monster Kid Radio host... I'm going to be there with my recorder, and I would love to meet you. I'm hard to miss. I'm the big guy with the recorder in hand wearing the Monster Kid radio shirt. And I'd recommend maybe picking up your tickets early because this may sell out. Tickets are going for $8 for both films. So you get a heck of a deal, and you get to watch Christopher Lee on the big screen the way he was meant to be seen. That brings us to the end of episode 211 of Monster Kid Radio. Again, thank you for joining us, and thanks to Mitch Gonzalez for making the time to appear on the show. We're going to be back in a couple of days with Mitch, and he and I are going to talk about our respective top three favorite robots from classic monster movies. He goes a little outside of the box, and I threw something out there that I don't think he expected, so I'm excited to share that conversation with everybody. Before now and then, head over to our website at monsterkidradio.net. That's where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio. Between episodes, we've got links to everything you need, including a link to every song that's appeared here on the show, like the song by the Tsunami Bots, which you're going to hear in a little bit. We have links to our Facebook group, where people are having conversations between episodes about monster movies we have a link to our patreon page where you can become a patron of monster kid radio and help support the show on a monthly basis you can also subscribe to the monster rally checkpoint over on the right hand side of the page put in your email address and you're going to get on the list to get the monthly email newsletter from monster kid radio our contact information is also on our website our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com and our voicemail line is 503-479-5657 that's 503-4795-MKR. If you have any thoughts about anything you've heard in this episode or the previous 210, feel free to send it my way. All right, I get the Tsunami Bots back on deck. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Murder Robots on Holiday. That belongs to the band The Tsunami Bots. You can find it on their EP release, Rise of the Robots. It's available over at TsunamiBots.com. You can also find them on Facebook or Bandcamp. However you find them, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Talk to everybody here in a couple of days.